In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming to the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen this glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Since the dawn of time, humans have been drawn to the sky at night. The otherness and greatness of the stars in the sky seems to pull us in to want to know more. And though many others created similar inventions, the telescope is credited to a guy called Hans Lippehey. And in his patent of the telescope, he described its action as that which is far away appears near. Now, at first glance, that is what we can think is happening at Christmas. That which is far away appears near. But as we look at the story, what we discover is happening is so much more. At the surface level, this is the story that we're told. About 2,000 years ago, a teenage girl called Mary, she's engaged to this guy, Joseph. Before they're married, they discover that she's pregnant. It's not his, and so he decides to you know, divorce her quietly. But because he's a good guy, he doesn't want to embarrass her. He, he says, we'll keep it, keep it on the down low. Then in a dream, he's told that this is God's plan, that this is God's son. And so he marries her. And then for tax purposes, they have to return to his hometown. And having been rejected by his family with no place to stay, he and Mary end up staying in a stable on a farm where she gives birth. Shepherds, not pretty ones, not nice ones, but rugged, rough men come from the fields to show him face. And again, they say they're sent by angels. Foreign wise men come and they bring some pretty strange gifts and they say they've been led by a star. And then because the local king hears that this child is going to be a future king and gets worried, he sends in his soldiers to kill all of the boy baby boys in that town under the age of two. Alerted in a dream, Mary and Joseph flee the genocide as refugees to Egypt and then eventually to a town in Nazareth, this backwater place in the middle of nowhere where Jesus grows up working as a carpenter in a small village occupied by foreign 
armies. Now, that is a really strange story. Uh, and to help us understand what it means and what it means for us, one of Jesus's closest friends, as he starts his account of the life of Jesus, starts with what you could describe as the director's commentary. It's like he says, let me pull back the curtain and show you what is going on behind the scenes. And one of the things that he focuses on is that at Christmas, it's not just that things that seemed far away comes close. It's not like, you, you know, the kitsch Christmas film where suddenly love is a little bit easier to feel, but it's actually that God not only appears nearer, he has actually come near. Now, it isn't always obvious what's so amazing about this, and that's because we often think of God in human terms. But it's not just that God is far away that makes this hard. It's that he's completely other. In the 70s, after the Russians won the space race, when Yuri Gagarin, the first man in space, came back, he said, I went up to heaven and God wasn't there. But that doesn't really make sense. We don't relate to God in, in the sense that somebody relates to somebody on the ground floor that you might relate to your neighbors in the condo above, the, above them. It's not like you can say, hey, I popped upstairs and God wasn't in. We, we can't climb up to God any more than like, I can get to you by like coming near to this camera in this moment. Like it, it doesn't work that way. We don't relate to God in that way. We, instead, we relate to God in the way that the characters Romeo and Juliet might relate to their author Shakespeare. Romeo can't search for Shakespeare in the pages of the play. He can't even go searching in the rafters of the theater. The author is completely other. And this is our problem. God is not just a bit bigger, a bit older, a bit wiser. He is completely other. There is no one like him. This is how God is described in our reading. If you like, this is the headline of Jesus's CV. The word was God. He is eternal. He is creator. He is the life and light. He is unstoppable. That's a pretty impressive CV. There is no other who can claim even anything close to being like this. And this is a problem for us. There is no way for us to approach him. But what John goes on to show is that God has done the unthinkable. In Jesus Christ, he has come close to us, that the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. See, it turns out that the otherness of God is not only in his greatness, but in his closeness, because no other would draw so close to me. And then the rest of his director's commentary goes on to show what that means for our lives, what it means that the greatness of God has come close to us in the ordinary. See, what we see is that things that we never thought could be reconciled are brought together. The reading began with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, some of the illusions of that uh, opening are missed on us, but the original hearers would have heard the two great stories of their time being brought together. The opening words, in the beginning, are the opening words of the Jewish Bible, the start of God's great story. But then the rest of that sentence doesn't carry on the way they expected because having started with what seems to be a Jewish story, the story of prayer, devotion, and a, a chosen group of people, 
that then goes off in a completely different direction. It, it finishes with the Greek story. In the beginning was the word. The word was in the Greek culture, the ultimate desire. It was that which was considered the source of life. It was everything that they longed for, fame, legacy, success, or a lot of the things that we desire. And these two cultures, they didn't tend to get along. Like, like most cultures that exist in close proximity to each other. They, they thought that they were irreconcilable, uh, almost like they were two different universes. It'd be like, I don't know, as if the story had started in a galaxy far, far away, there was a young wizard named Harry. Like These are different worlds, different fan bases. They don't get along. And what he's saying is that in these two stories, they find common ground and reconciliation in Jesus. That which you never thought could be reconciled can be in Jesus. First, God and humanity, but then also enemies and neighbors. See, I don't know what in your story you think can't relate to God's story, but what we see here is that they can become interwoven in Jesus. It doesn't matter what your story includes. At Christmas, we see that God has come close and invites us to join our story with his. But again, John wants to make something really clear. This doesn't happen by our effort. A few weeks back, there was a really beautiful story about a young boy who'd been taken into foster care, and they were waiting to see if a family could be found to adopt him. And one day his foster family heard uh, the breaking of glass in another room and they, they raced in and they found the glass on the floor and a, a family photo frame had been broken apart. And what had happened is the young boy had smashed the glass to get to the photo of this family and then he had drawn himself in to the family photo. And they were so moved by this action that they adopted him. They, they brought him into their family. And as beautiful as that story is, it can be easy to think that that's what God wants us to do. That by our own efforts, we break down the barriers. That through our own efforts, prayers and works, we draw ourselves into God's family. But that's not the case. We're told, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right. He gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent nor a human decision nor a husband's will, but born of God. In other words, he came to us. He broke down the barrier. He gives us the right to become part of his family and his story. And it's only possible because he does the work. We don't draw ourselves into his story. He writes himself into ours. The author, Dorothy Sayers, was a pretty amazing person. She was one of the first women to graduate from Oxford and made her living as an author. One of her most successful series of stories was about a detective called Peter Whimsey, who would solve these mysteries. And in the stories, Peter Whimsey lived as a single man for lots of the novels. And then suddenly, this woman appears called Harriet Vane. Harriet is a writer of detective fiction. She's also one of the first women to graduate from Oxford University. They solve a mystery together, fall in love, get married, and live happily ever after. And many people have said that Dorothy Sayers wrote herself into her stories. She looked down at the world she created. She looked at the man she'd created, loved him, and seeing that he was lonely, wrote herself into his story. And that, if you like, is what God has done for us. He saw us in the confusion we face. 
He, he saw us in the mess that we have to manage and he wrote himself into our story. He lived the life that we should live. He died the death that we should have died so that we can be part of his family, so that we can be his friends and have the closest possible relationship with him. The otherness of God is not only in his greatness, but in his closeness, because no other would draw so close to me. And so the question is, do you want to allow Jesus to write himself into your life right now? It will change your life, but always for the better. And do you want to know that reconciliation, the overflow into every area of your life to redeem, to heal, to restore, to bring that which we think could never be reconciled back together? And if you want to know that, reconciliation. If you want to know that love, I'm going to pray a prayer, a short prayer, and you can echo that in your heart so that you can know that he is part of your story and you are part of his. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you looked at me and that you didn't leave me, but you drew close to me. I'm sorry for the things that I do when I try and go my own way, when I do things that hurt you and others, and I turn away from those now. Jesus, come and be the Lord of my life. Come and be the author of my story. I give myself to you. And I thank you that you have come close to me. Amen.